Welcome to Cost to Company. I am Snigdha and I am going to be your host today. And if you're wondering what happened to Sneha and Shrivar, well, they're perfectly fine. Don't worry, they're sitting right in front of me. But this time, they're on the other side of the table for a change. And this is a very special episode of the podcast because over the span of the last eight months, uh, Cost to Company, which tracks how work and workplaces are changing in India, has made quite a journey, you know. Now, you might think eight months is not that long, but you know what Virginia Woolf once said about the absurdity of time? She said, an hour, once it lodges itself in the queer element of the human spirit, may be stretched to 50 or 100 times its clock length. On the other hand, an hour may be accurately represented on the timepiece of the mind by one second. What I'm trying to say is that careers and workplaces have dramatically changed since the launch of Costa Company. And Sneha and Shrivar here have managed to chronicle this remarkable shift. And we wanted to tell you all about it in this special episode. My first question to you guys. We all have, you know, recorded many, many podcast episodes by now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot has changed since you guys launched uh, the podcast. When you guys started out, it was a time when uh, tech companies were finding all kinds of very interesting and innovative ways to hire skilled talent, right? And uh, I think it was your first episode where you spoke about um, this intern getting over a 10 lakh uh, bonus. Joining bonus of 10 lakhs, yeah. salary of 18 lakhs. That was insane. <laughs> For six months. I yeah. yeah, so this is That's something unheard of, right? Uh, can you can you tell us what was going on at that time? So, okay. So, CTC launched in August of 2022, but we began working on it as early as in February. I began working on it in February. Shiva joined in March. At that time, so, so the project of, you know, what is happening in offices and workplaces, that study that uh, research began around feminine March. And at that time, um, there was a lot of money in the market. There was so much money that people didn't know what to do with it. And that was driving up prices of all kinds of things. They were driving up prices of employees, of services, of interns. Um, And everyone was just throwing money at problems. Um, And... And because because everyone had money, all startups had money and were vying for like a very small pool of talent. Uh, that pool of talent had all the power. So the power was balanced in favor of anyone with some tech expertise, anyone who could help build a product for a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the power was in their favor, like so many things are happening. So one was... You know, everyone had money. So now how do you tell, how do you announce to the market that you are willing to pay a little bit more? And so you had the first episode, which was about, you know, founders tweeting salaries to Mm. say, this is what I can actually afford to pay you. (laughs) Then, I mean, you also had other things, right? Like, you know, people putting in so much thought into leave policies, for example. Mm. People putting in so much thought into, you know, bringing therapy and, you know, the value of therapy to the business, not just to the for the benefit of the employees but to the to the business itself you had um, you know businesses like Swiggy and Dunzo you know openly allowing their and encouraging their employees to moonlight simply because they were competing for that small pool of talent uh, you had like Misho announcing work from anywhere you know we'll take you on like three four off sites a year and the rest yeah. of the time you, you live in Goa cast. you live in the mountains um and so it was, and, and you know, so many businesses were talking about work-life balance and, you know, we will give you amazing work to do. Um, so, yeah, the power was heavily in favor of employees mm. at that point. Mm. And everything was just happening in the space of careers and workplaces was to attract um, that limited talent. And, to, and businesses were elbowing each other, you know, trying to find small incre- incremental ways to attract that. Right. April is when the first like crack started to appear. I think yeah. interest rates were raised. Um, I think maybe there was some market collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, crypto 
something happened in April. Yeah, I think April, like you know the second order effects of the main trigger point I think was the Russian the Ukraine the invasion right mm-hmm. the Russian invasion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the effects February. of which only yeah the effects of which only so what Sneha was mentioning is completely mm-hmm. true right that till February March was actually the heyday and people of lot of great talent. I want to Sneha I want to go back and, to that tweet. Okay, and the first huh. episode yeah. and the and the tweet that you were talking about you know founders talking mm-hmm. about uh, mm-hmm. how much salaries they were offering and how that led you to the first episode of CDC. Okay, so that particular episode, so that those tweets were flagged to me by our COO PGK, uh, Praveen Gopal Krishnan. Uh, he was like, "Dude, look, look, you know these guys are tweeting salaries," and at that point. See, I also hadn't like really paid that much attention to the things that startups and their founders do because you know they they do crazy things all the time. So I was like, okay, you know, so when you know two bros are putting out tweets, it's okay. Like, what I didn't understand what the big deal was. You know that if you know, so uh, okay, first let me explain what those tweets were. Yeah. <laughs> so you had founders and uh, CXOs of two startups tweeting salaries of their new hires, comparing them to what the market was giving, what they were willing to give. Mm-hmm. and what they were indicating is that if you are willing to jump ship we can give you anything between a 50 to a 90% hike that and that, that's what they were tweeting that you know these this is what the previous salaries of these new hires were and this is what we are offering them now so those were the tweets and so pgk drew my attention to those tweets and he was like look at them and i didn't understand the big deal you know so what what if two people are tweeting salaries what's the big deal um then i started actually reading up on you know what that can do to a business what that can do internally to a business what that can do externally to a business mm-hmm. uh what that does to the market when someone puts a tweet out and it can create it can create a lot of tensions someone might think they're not getting paid enough someone might uh you know feel like someone else is overvalued it can create a lot of conflict um so why would you do this if no one else is doing it why would you do this um and that 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 is how i entered on how crazy this market was the this job market was that is how i understood it that it's so crazy that people are willing to you know throw numbers just uh, to get a little bit of advantage when it comes to hiring hmm. um so th- and then when i was uh you know doing interviews i was interviewing people who worked in hr people who worked in um, in pay who specialized in how to distribute pay and that's when i realized that actually you know this is it's not just you know startup founders doing absurd things it's not just people responding to the job market this is a inequity issue this is a issue about minorities in the workplace getting paid systematically less because that they are minorities and the reasons that that plays out so it could be because you know women are just not in leadership positions it could be because women are taking those 2 3 years off to make children and by the time they come back you know their value has fallen um and and because our salaries are not transparent we don't even know how how much less it is mm-hmm. and the thing i learned over the course of that episode just talking to women is that all women presume that they're making less money than men mm-hmm. which is crazy whether or not they are they all presume it like we all live with the assumption that we are getting paid less mm. than our male counterparts but most of the time it is kind of that true, is the right? case that is yeah. the case and we we validated that mm-hmm. by talking yeah. to hr experts mm-hmm. but the fact that we know it and we're mm-hmm. living life mm-hmm. uh, so you're saying basically you know what was happening in the market you know in terms of you know employees being uh, very powerful at that point actually helped the cause of yes salary transparency yes right and inadvertently it wasn't mm. uh, deliberate and then when the market crashed mm. um and we did another interview with subhash saying you know what now are you who's subhash subhash is the founder of uh, dukan yeah so we did another with you know the uh, cto of dukan saying now okay so you were throwing you know 18 lakhs 10 lakhs uh, for interns 6 mm-hmm. months ago and now the market has collapsed now what and he said like i don't know if you have it on tape but he said uh, market fata hua mm-hmm. those were his words and you know that was the first inkling of things to come so basically uh, right after that so market fata hua this is what yeah. happened and then shiver you found a story about yeah, it yeah i did which was i don't think anybody who's uh, heard that episode is ever going to forget the story of wasim it, was, it was yeah wasim of course yeah. you know we we changed his name on request uh 
since it was very personal and very touching surface. So again, you know, just for some reference as well, the first episode, the events happened in February, March, but we actually released it in August, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, we were looking at the other episodes. So as Neha said, timeline has now shifted to July, August. Uh, when the effects and the ramifications of the war and the again the crashes have kind of been played out and I would call this the first wave of layoffs right mm-hmm. so coming to Vaseem's story um, so this is actually through a LinkedIn post I was of course you know uh, being journalists we have to look at sources from our eyes and our ears in that sense so uh, this happened on LinkedIn when I saw this person uh, Vaseem who was extremely you know disappointed with the way he was uh, laid off he was working uh, at, at Baiju's right and um Within Baiju's, there's this place called Topper where, where he was there in, in particular. And um, and why the incident actually caught my eye was because it was the day of his engagement. He got laid off on the day of, enga- of his engagement and we have it on tape as well that, you know, he was literally getting ready for his engagement. He was wearing his... He's from, he stays in Srinagar, by the way. Right? So even if you listen to the episode, uh, the audio, in fact, is not very clear because, again, yeah. because Srinagar, you know, it's not... They're internet. Not internet internet issues, issue. right? Mm. Internet is an issue. So even in post-production, we are damn, should we sort of air this? Because it's very... It was not... It was kind of sketchy, the, the audio quality itself. But it was very important to understand what this person went through, which was obviously a story of many others that uh, they were just, uh, he got a call from the agent and he was in fact expecting that there must be a good news or he must have gotten a better you know, placement or he must be getting called to one of the bigger cities and whatnot. Turns out, uh, you know, it was an HR call and it was like, uh, we're so sorry, but we have to let you go. And these are all your, like, you know, just uh, then obviously they had some conversations after that. But I just showed that was like the trigger point that um, he was, of course, and comes from a very, you know, basic background, right? Like not a very privileged background, of course, which is all the more unfortunate. And he was like, and he told me one thing which put me to tears almost was, you know, uh, he's like, my fiance thinks I'm useless. Uh, right. And obviously, you don't want to think of the, that thing. Like, he's like, whenever I think of my engagement, now I have to think of that time when I was laid off so unceremoniously. Uh, so that happened and that, of course, we got um, we got a few HR experts as well on that episode. So this is the second episode we're speaking about. What is this episode about? Who gets laid off first? So that was the title of the episode because we wanted to understand who was the most likely to sort of get axed in that sense. And uh, one of uh, Harold, who was, you know, one of the HR experts uh, from Walkwater, he told me something interesting that, you know what, boss, it's not layoff season. It's reality season. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He was like, you know, we had all, and this is what, this is where the contrast with Sneha's episode comes in, which was, mm-hmm. of course, the incidents of February and March, that that time talent was just going crazy. Exactly. Ab reality check. Hai. Mm-hmm. This is not something an anomaly. This is actually the normal thing. This is the normalization. This is the correction mm-hmm. of the market. But obviously, uh, the employees have to bear the brunt. But uh, good news was that he did get a job uh, very soon. So it ended on a happy note. But yeah, it was still a struggle. Right. I also... Uh, right after that, you know, in the middle of all this drama, uh, you happened to attend this quiz, which you love doing. Yes. In yes. Indranagar. Mm-hmm. And that led you to your next story, which is very interesting. Yeah. And how basically these layoffs were uh, attending. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. How these layoffs were basically affecting this particular segment of employees, right? Yeah. The middle management. Can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. So that's actually, um, again, that was a, friend who's asked for anonymity. The the story was called um, Middle Management is Silently Cracking. Right? Or middle managers were silently cracking, which was essentially what was happening now was that because uh, you know these layoffs were happening, essentially with his company, he was working in a learning platform, uh, like a learning ed tech sort of a platform, where essentially the case was very interesting and again, kind of unfortunate that the juniors were being laid off, right? Like the juniors, some seniors, of course, but there was undue pressure being put on the middle managers to, their, their teams were reduced, but their targets remained the same or had increased because they had to get more profits. They had to make sure that they're in the green. So because of that, the middle manager was like, boss, what do we do? Because, you know, you guys are obviously bearing the responsibilities of the profit and loss and whatnot, the senior management. I don't have people in my team so this dude, who's my friend, uh, you know, he was extremely frustrated with that. And he's like, you know, it's, it's not just me. The entire middle management itself is uh, very uh, frustrated with what whatever is happening. And, uh, you know, it, it sort of was a very um, painful way of, of uh, you know, dealing with people because ultimately he had to leave too. Like he was like, I can't do it, right? Because it was getting uh, too much on his nerves. Ki I can't, Ikto Junior's. You have to pacify the juniors. Ki, no, no, you're safe. I know your three of your closest friends have gotten out, but no, no, you're safe. You have to tell your managers that, uh, sorry, boss, we can't, uh, I, you know, these people are on the verge of crying every day. I can't make them work extra. Yeah. So managers were like, ki, yeah, what do I do? What mm-hmm. should I do in this situation? 
so they were bit, definitely between a rock and a hard place this was Just also an episode yeah. about how young yeah a lot of middle managers yeah, and startups actually. are like That's you're a middle true. manager 22 23 yeah. 24 uh getting directions from above having to manage younger people yeah. in uh, you know with so much economic uncertainty mm. so many pressures to bring yeah. in profits Yeah, and sometimes people who are older than you also, right? Yes, and that yes. is m- very difficult. Yeah, it is. Right? That's a, another layer of yeah. complexity. Of so, uh, November has come yeah. uh, of last year, and things have gotten very crazy, and there are mass layoffs happening, and CEOs and founders they're trying their best to show how remorseful they are about all these layoffs, and they're basically explaining that you know things are out of our hands we can't really do anything about it and uh, people were taking their case online they were becoming memes and stuff like that was happening and uh, this is when you guys did this other special episode where both of you spoke to this uh, person who's a Kartik Srinivasan yeah, who's, who's a, a brand PR, expert PR and brand yeah, so, expert so why was this happening and how was this happening can you tell us so there were mass layoffs and um, across big tech startups um, ed tech in India at that point uh who else said uh, and and oh and the big spectacle the moment of moment uh, the thing that was happening at the time was elon musk yeah oh god that was elon musk was almost forgot yeah, about that god. this was elon musk oh, was yeah. uh, was all everything we were talking about and he also at that point had done some very bizarre Not layoffs <laughs> very poorly orchestrated yes. um pr disasters and so we got kartik who was brilliant and um And and so he said some very interesting things. Uh, he uh, my most favorite was and and you know we talked about Baijus. So at the time the thing that happened in India was that Baijus had just laid off a bunch of people, five percent of their workforce, and and Baiju himself, Ravindran, had said, uh, you know, I'm losing five percent of myself of Baijus, yeah. which social media did not take too kindly. <laughs> and you also had founders crying, putting up crying selfies, like some very strange, silly things were happening. All these founders were doing. uh firing people on zoom or just and amazon also then did one round of layoffs where they didn't uh where no one where i think the emails were not addressed from anyone they were like some impersonal email disembodied email that comes to you mm. um so, so it also but, fired people by mistake or something like that and then they asked them stuff. to come back remember that also happened i think twitter yeah ha huh, twitter yeah. also did so a lot of lot of weird funny bizarre things were mm. happening and so the thing that kartik said at that point was look you do personal branding for moments like these you know mm. I, it is a ceo and founder's job to have done enough personal branding to have built a rep, you know a, an a sense of who they are so that when you have bad news to deliver people understand where it's coming from and what you're trying to say so even if for example byju was sincere in saying you know he and, and he's really in pain <laughs> because he lost five percent of his employees and he has to let them go, even if he's really really sad, uh, people don't know who the hell he is, and you know no one's going to buy him. I no, should trust him. Yeah. yeah. So because he hasn't done that work, and uh, we he he also drew our attention to the fact that Airbnb had set the bar for how to lay off well, and the fact that you know anyone who had done it with any degree of you know sensitivity had copied from Airbnb's playbook. Mm. Um, so there were quite a few in India also. I'm trying to remember Zomato. Zomato did it well. An Academy was doing it in trenches, which was horrible. And Gaurav Munjal, not a very um, you know pleasant personal brand, I guess, because the way he was doing it was was quite horrible. They backtracked. They said yeah. we won't do any more yeah, layoffs. Then exactly. they came back and did more layoffs. Like what is the distrust? And and you know what what Karthik told us then is that. These founders are not talking to their PR people. They're not mm. being honest with their PR people mm-hmm. about their business, about their strategy and their needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the PR guys are just playing catch up. And then with and then you know after all this all of this happened, then Baiju and his wife, you know, his wife took to LinkedIn. Yeah, I remember Baiju that. Baiju did a few interview with a uh, few with Raj Shamani. Mm. Um, you know, trying to clean up. Uh, ca- yeah. Mm. Uh, so so that was one just. Like so spectacular moment of which is why we call it Tamasha, right? Which yeah, is why yeah, we yeah. call it a, the Great Layoff Tamasha because it's, ultimately it was sad, but the way it was being played out, right? And hmm. it was almost like, "Yeah, this person wrote a blog post. Hmm. I'll also write a blog post. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg did this. Hmm. Chalo, I'll also do a live stream. Yeah, they did this. So it was almost like you know they were just you know copying from each other and actual people who were getting affected. That was they were somewhere. They were just a data. Hmm. They were just like a you know a point in the 
number on the excel sheet yeah and we, we were just getting this... linkedin like they were just posting on linkedin yeah. you know yeah. i've been laid off yeah it's reminding off. me of this very interesting ken story that all our listeners should actually read by shruti sonal hmm. about how uh, about personal branding right ghost and how writers? yes oh, the ghost writers one right That's like how these ceos story. and founders they actually mm. hiring ghost writers to write their linkedin posts and mm. you know articles yeah, here yeah. and there and stuff like that yeah now yeah. there's chat gpt 4 which is coming so that's great yeah <laughs> so uh, okay so all of this started with the crypto collapse uh seha you had actually done an episode on it yes and um, i remember what you wrote for that episode was so beautiful the intro it is really powerful so my question is what happened to the people who left crypto after that and did they find jobs elsewhere how different were their new jobs what happened So crypto the first cracks appeared around March April of last mm-hmm. year so mm-hmm. a year ago and uske uh, baad what happened and so yeah and then there was regulation that was passed there were things that were going bust and like you know what i didn't understand earlier is that a lot of what we disparagingly call crypto bros like come from a place of idealism you know that you know this is transparent this like, is a new uh, world with new yeah. values uh, you know it'll be different it's like you know it's like the french revolution it's like people dreaming of democracy for the first time you know this is a new thing that's going to make us a better society yeah and, ruhi uh, had done this newsletter about uh, the ideology that sam bankman fried mm. was actually inspired by this yeah, equality yeah. in very idealistic there was a nutgraf uh, on this yeah. altruism mm-hmm. um, yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, then, so then the question was that you know okay 6 months have passed there was a twitter joke uh that someone made fun of someone else saying you're a crypto bro like where are you going to work next like how are you going to get a job right and so i we began that episode with the hypothesis that you know what are crypto people going to do next mm. if your experience is in mm. web3 in building tech for web3 mm. and that entire industry is uh caving in on itself what are you going to do next and i found that these people are like a lot of employees who've left crypto are doing fine you know they've gotten great jobs elsewhere they're happy well any like in tech any delivery tech this tech doing marketing for someone else mm. they've all been absorbed at least the ones you know i spoke to had been absorbed in the economy in different countries also in different industries but they still believed like you know they had to abandon ship and jump but they still believed in that underlying ethos and i would ask you know like what do you believe in what is it that you think is going to happen and they'd be like you know th- this will have a use case in 20 years in 30 years 40 years okay so all of this is happening and then came the second wave of layoffs yeah, right there was a massive one yeah that was a big one and that's when we saw big tech companies um, you know laying off employees by the hundreds and thousands yeah, if i'm not yeah, wrong yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and that's when she were you uh, did one of these one of the most counterintuitive episodes on cost to company and uh, you called it the shady cousin of layoffs and uh, we're talking about the hiring freeze right and you talked about how this could actually be an opportunity yeah how in the midst of all this doom and gloom <laughs> yeah you saw you said that it could actually turn out to be an opportunity for many people it was yeah interestingly you know this is what happened in my conversations that i had with a few people again you know uh, in their 20s and their 30s as well was that after it it almost felt like you know what this is it the people who are there in the organization it's us there are no new people going to be coming in so they thought hey you know what if there are no no new people coming in I have a better chance of proving my mettle with my current employer since there won't be any more layers coming in more people coming in the team isn't expanding so some people thought this this, this there was this term that I sort of give myself credit to coin uh it was called the accidental loyalist right because a lot of people when the you know the layoffs and all are happening they wanted to leave and they're like whatever this is done but the hiring freeze is interesting right because essentially you are um it's it's almost it's very sinister and why it's shady is because of course you're not laying off people but you're also not getting any more people on board so mm. in a way technically you are laying off future employees in a sense that you know you're basically not getting them on board at all so that's this that's the stasis that's there in the organization and what some employees were doing and i spoke to people from pepper content from you know uh, from a large uh, uh, ott platform as well uh, so you know they were they were basically saying that 
it's actually been good for us in a, in a way that although people yes people have been laid off from our organization or you know some people might get laid off in the future for us it's actually an opportunity to prove our worth and prove our metal and probably be in this organization for longer for example i spoke to pavan great guy he's like you know at at pepper content he was like you know what boss i was planning to leave pepper like i was like i i had no plans to sort of continue and stick on but after i found that, that okay you know what there's a hiring freeze going on people weren't even applying to jobs right so jobs weren't available sure but the ones that were available also people weren't applying to it so everybody is almost sticking to where they were so that itself was a opportunity right mm. so it was a very everyone had suddenly become very risk averse very risk averse mm. right so right. in this risk aversion you found an opportunity boss why should i look elsewhere let me climb the ladder within my company so that's an opportunity of course uh it was not for everybody people did feel very you know dissatisfied and what not but again it was a trend that we saw that a lot of people were like uh you know let me nanny let me stay for 3 4 5 months I'll stay. The market is very bad. It's almost when I mean, it's raining, it's pouring outside, right? But uh, right now, you're just like, no, no. Let me sort of stay clear. I'll, I'll, I'll be inside my car. Let the rain sort of subside. So I think that was interesting and that was very counterintuitive because you almost feel like our hiring freeze is badly or so yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. But within the organization, some people did uh, use that as an opportunity and they did well. They're doing well. Pawan is doing great. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and. Uh, just around this time i mean we can imagine the kind of pressure that hrs were under you know so much firing and a little bit of hiring early on uh, it was obviously a time when their role was in the spotlight right sneha but uh, but this was when the world of hr was also kind of undergoing a sort of a shift right and you did this episode on it and um, this was because a lot of hr functions were being automated so two three things were happening simultaneously at this so here better yeah yeah so two three things happened simultaneously uh one chat gpt chat gpt <laughs> came up with a new version totally uh, uh, you would think totally unrelated but not uh another thing that happened was that people were laying off and um and the thing is see when you're growing a company you will hire first before you if say if you want 60 new engineers then you hire first before that five new hr people to hire those 60 engineers mm. now if you no longer are growing mm. then you don't need those hr people anymore yeah and so it's a it becomes a headache for a business to first scale up and scale down their hr and then scale up and scale down their employees and what what they found that you know a lot of these functions can be automated a lot of them can be uh, these functions can be given to alg- algorithms how can you give examples so just um, you know have better systems to match um potential hires use ai or uh, machine learning trained algorithms uh, to filter employees um to filter um applications um you know even getting chat gpt to to write a job description wow um so a lot of functions hr functions could be automated there's just great software that's being built by startups now for for to help you with recruiting to help you with um uh, performance management to help you with tax to pretty much help you with anything um and this is the future of hr you know small small tech products to help automate processes and So then the question is okay if you are if you are a lot of your hr functions if a lot of your hr tasks are being outsourced to software then what what does hr really do uh and what does an organization look like and then who does the work that hr was doing mm-hmm. um and that yielded some very interesting answers so i spoke to someone from at working at hr by juice bimal and he said now an hr person's job is strategy people mm, strategy for business so an hr person is not going to sit and perform functions that help admin stuff. yeah no no more admin they're not going to sit and you know uh, uh, you, there's no a new recruit isn't there's no an hr office that they'll go to to sign paperwork that 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 is not going to happen what is going to happen is that you know someone will sit with a business strategist or someone with an executive and say you know how many people do you expect to hire what what do you expect the economy to look like mm-hmm. uh, how many people will you need in 2 years in 5 years how can we uh, 
how can we build systems so that you know we, that we can respond to market changes easily so that hiring and laying off is not you know as dramatic and painful um so these are the new tasks of hr and then you know then the next question was okay great you know you're saving costs at a time when you really want to save costs you're saving you're uh, you're making it easier to um uh to hire more and less people depending on you know what what how the economy is doing and how much funding you have but what about people functions right like what about just having someone to make sure people are happy and having that they have there is an advocate for the employee in the organization and the answer to that was that the advocate for an employee in an organization the person who represent us and talk to us and look after us is the manager it's not hr it's your team manager the people you turn to it's your team and hr is just performing business strategy so this is a transition that's happening in part because of just how automation is working in part because of you know the economic circumstances um and yeah that and and like i said we had a founder who then went back and fired his hr team yeah uh, and outsourced that to outsourced that work to software interesting yeah so that that happened next okay so she was talking about hr you know it reminds me of this very interesting episode that you did on gen z right yeah. in the workplace and uh, i just to clarify i'm not gen z i mean i think i <laughs> I mean, you're so Gen Z. What? No, you're so Gen Z. I'm literally on the cusp. I think, like, it's not 97, right? So I mean, it's it's okay. If uh, you insist. Yeah, but please continue. Okay, so you know, how do HR actually deal with them in the workplace, and what what does the Gen Z expect from their workplace, and do all of them really want to work from anywhere? No, I mean, I think uh, the uh, you know the picture was very loud and clear. One of the most crazy. episode is a little on the on the chaotic side i think this episode was cuz the <laughs> answer that i got was you know we actually work from of course work from home has its benefits and flexibility and what not and everybody loves flexibility right but what they really wanted i found out was that they wanted a sense of community that you know they're working together and strangely enough free lunch free lunch was this one thing that a lot of people wanted yeah there was a big big pull for them like literally the people that i spoke about and it was not just the people on tape on our record like people are like yeah dude like i don't want to make food and because you know the interesting stuff that i was happening was that a lot of people were coming to these big cities bigger cities but while they were coming to these bigger cities they weren't going to office right so because you know other people weren't going so i think it's a very you know people want that sense of community that was there that you know what hey my friend is going i'll go you know that's mm. only when i'll go so i think that was one thing that was there and of course it let if let it let hr be confused right as you mentioned as to how to deal with them mm-hmm. because it's not that they wanted full office as well you know it's not key okay you know what you have you should come to office 5 days a week they don't want that either plus they don't want that it's completely work from anywhere so it was kind of again a very sort of a gray area and which is what i kind of uh, you know spoke about in the another episode which is recently on the work from anywhere and the golden days right when you ha- used to have so many of your friends you know going to manali going to goa working yeah. there working for yeah. so long that i think is not happening anymore right because once you see that your friend is logging it in one of their organizations in one of their offices it almost feels like you know that there's this there's this form of that you know what damn what am i doing am i is it really the time to chill right now so those days were over right so in terms of what gen z wanted i think it's not that they're completely wholeheartedly for the office and what not they just want ki hey you know what office has become my place where i meet these people right because work ka kya work will happen will can happen from a cafe can happen from home but office is where i get a sense of community right which yeah. was very different from earlier because office was always seen as a place of work you know, and this have... has everything to do with the power inversion yeah, that happened yeah exactly that's a very good point collapse. actually that this has everything to do with the fact that you know exactly. uh, businesses no longer felt the need to appease their employees yeah why should i when know? we started doing ctc you know we spoke to hr people who were running surveys interview running experiments interviewing um you know their employees ho- hosting back to office parties just you know not compulsory but just to attract people back in uh, we, we i attended <laughs> an inmobi party which had music and non alcoholic drinks and a dj at 4 pm yeah. and uh, and just and you know comedians famous comedians i think sumukhi suresh performed in their office 
and all of this like you know in extravaganza lots of food and dessert and you know even i ate <laughs> what did you eat what did you eat i i, I think really good chat wow. <laughs> really good but and this was a back to office party and suddenly you know six months down the line forget party party is over it's part, like you nobody is asking you politely or sweetly and throwing you know giving you comedians to invite you back to the office <laughs> You have it's a like mandate now. Now you have yeah. a mandate. Yes. Employers now market, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what happened. So, um, yeah. So it was yeah. very interesting to notice that. Yeah. And you know Z. what you were saying about Gen Z, right? To like a lot of millennials and the older generation before mm-hmm. that, they might use this and say that, "Oh, look, this yeah. is why we say they're so confused." <laughs> But to me, like, it's almost like they've they're very sorted and they're mm. choosing the middle path. It's very like Buddhist, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, the generation that's right there. so shriver you also uh, got in touch with somebody from linkedin yeah. and you got access to some really interesting global data right there was actually yeah so i'll just briefly tell you about it like like this was actually in their mumbai office itself i interviewed their senior director of talent solutions who actually has a lot of insight as to what the trends are right like as to what the numbers like hardcore numbers right on ctc we speak a lot about emotions and like you know uh, we speak to, to a lot about people but this was guided by figures and like you know percentages and what not and what we figured here was that you know a lot of people what they were also describing in their reports and this is worldwide by the way of course this is india as well but this is global that skilling or like you know you have to have skills more than uh, degrees degrees are Honestly, not as important as it used to be. Sure, MBA for networking. I won't get into all of that. Or even experience. No? Yeah, even experience. Like you know, skills are definitely much more important than all that. And there were interesting concepts that we we went into the the depths of what skills are like. You know, side skilling where essentially the same. If you had a job of a product manager ten years ago. the same job of a product manager now requires a lot more skills because now you have to have the softer skills as well you need to how to how to start a zoom meeting for for god's sake you know so that is itself is a skill of sort so that was there upskilling of course was such a major trend a lot of people you know their lnd budgets people are sort of you know increasing that so that people get skilled and upskill you have to keep upskilling that was my main takeaway that boss if you're not upskilling in this economy and if you're just relying on some degree that you did uh not really good news for you you know you should definitely do something on the on the side and it's not just for money right it's also for like you know your um you know your own self and your hmm. professional so i think that was a major uh, takeaway for me from that conversation which then led to the next episode yes. because yeah. yeah i think that that it is necessary for survival upskilling mm. right? so so that is where we begin the next episode mm. that now upskilling is necessary for survival because skills have become obsolete but it is complicated by the fact that businesses don't have bandwidth now to sit and upskill their employees businesses because ups- upskilling is hard designing programs is hard first you have to figure out what skills you need then you have to figure out who is most capable of it mm-hmm. then you have to devise a training program then you have to give time to that training lot program. of work then you have to spend money on that training mm-hmm. program after the training program is there any guarantee that that employee will have those skills no after after if they get the skills is there any guarantee that they'll stay no so businesses like they're getting less and less incentivized to spend money on these upskill on upskilling programs at a time when upskilling is more and more important so the demand for uh, upskilling is rising supply is falling and um, you know employees are getting stuck in this they need to upskill now more than ever and no one is helping them and one of the ways in which we figured that employees are bridging this, this is, is by so fascinating i this yeah at, on their own time they're now they're going and you want to call it moonlight you want to call it interning you want to call it part time work we call it moonlighting but have a second job where the objective is to upskill because where where else how else will you do it where who will give you the experience who will give you um where will you get even if you go to your boss to say i want to do this they will say have you proved proficiency yet how will you prove profic- proficiency by getting experience how will you get the experience no one will give you the experience if you don't mm-hmm. have yeah, experience this is so the way they yeah. be- breaking out of that is going and doing pro bono work going mm-hmm. and you know doing a side project going and helping with an open source project uh you don't just finding work on the side that can give you evidence of experience evidence of new skill give you scope to build a new skill uh so this episode was about how employees are moonlighting as a survival strategy to stay relevant on a job market yeah not just for money 
not not for money yeah. not, but, and we'd heard about yeah. moonlighting for a while in the context of you know people making more money from exactly. the same skills they already have yeah. and so when you had wipro and infosys talking about how they don't want moonlighting uh that's what they were talking about they don't want their employees you know using their skills for multiple places but this was a totally different kind of moonlighting this was a moonlighting um for survival you know irrespective of everything that happened or mm-hmm. uh, you know people were fired and everything but we still did have appraisals we did right? yeah and but their nature changed was different it was different Quite, this time yeah 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 you know so i mean definitely you know there were people it was not very somber that you know oh you know what everybody's going to get a very uh you know restricted raise and what not there was of course the bell curve that was followed that the highest performers got the best raises then the lowest performers got you know not a very good raise and what not but uh, there was also this interesting term that was uh, that i found out about which was essentially the uh the gentleman's hike right which is obviously a unnecessary gender term here uh, but uh, it was it was still there about like you know that uh, essentially you get a 1% or a 2% hike which is a company's way of saying that you know what boss bye like we know that you're not happy with the hike and um, you know uh, you know it's pretty much time to say goodbye from both your end and from my end so i think that itself was a very enlightening thing because i never knew this term and that was happening here where you have these <laughs> where you have a, a gentleman's hike like a 2% which is obviously insulting it's downright insulting that's happening so that was something that was happening in many companies i have a story Yeah. I have a story of someone who got a one percent hike. Oh someone my god! Was someone who gave someone a one percent hike actually? Oh damn! And so you know, this is your appraisal, and you got a one percent hike. And that person said, "Thank you." Okay. And the next day she quit. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Wow. Well, exactly. Who are these people, Sneha? That you know? <laughs> yeah. Reveal your sources to us. No, but see, that's that's exactly yeah. what was happening, right? Yeah. Which was which is what we spoke about in the episode that this was yeah. happening, and obviously this was the company's way of saying that. इकोनॉमी टफ है तो परफॉर्मर्स and it almost felt to them that you know what if you're getting hikes or if you're doing if you're underperforming the next step is a layoff mm-hmm. so a lot of people in the google before the layoffs have happened right so people were getting very bad hikes people were like okay this is on based on your performance and you know this is how it's happening and what not so people were getting very scared they were getting graded on a very different system that was there and it was basically a shift from how google used to do layoff, uh, performance appraisals which was very liberal and very nice and what not this time it was different and 6% of these people were put under this this red zone or like you know this this entire place where it was basically a danger zone which is what they felt that you know what we might get axed very soon the very next week google announced that they were laying off 6% of their workforce right all right i think now we're kind of running out of time um what do you guys see in terms of career trends in say the next 6 months or so sneha you, you go first Okay. I'll go first. Okay, sure. Um, so I think that honestly, feel that um, you know the trends that I've been seeing or like what I've understood. Again, this is strictly uh, you know my demographic or like what I've been hearing from people and what they felt was that the faith and the trust that people had in big tech, right? And not just big tech, but companies in general. Mm-hmm. That companies are your end all and be all. That you know you're gonna hustle and work for them, and you know they're gonna you get get ESOPs and whatnot. That's been fractured. Essentially, when I'm working for a company, one portfolio employer, careers. yeah, portfolio portfolio careers, right? Essentially, why should I just offer my service to one company? I have a mm-hmm. service which the market is willing to pay for, which I have gained, which I have upskilled myself through the pandemic, through moonlighting and whatnot. I'm going to give the market demands, right? I've gotten a bad appraisal, so the market is going to come to me, right, right, with my skill. So I think that is one trend that people so are more part time work, more part time work, more gig work, more, more gig fractional, work. This yeah, fractional, fractional, yeah, part timing, you know, exactly, portfolio careers, portfolio careers, right? It's not, it's, it's no longer, you know, your career is no longer vertical. It's horizontal. Mm. You have a bunch. It's a, it's a garden. Like you know, you have this. You're watering that plant. You're watering that plant. It's not just one single building. It's just one, one company. that's not going to be there so that's going to be there and company is also going to get used to it ki ha this person you know it's like this it's it, my friend called this uh, you know my friend who's who was a freelancer she gave a lovely term to this it's called corporate polygamy yeah right 
So I think that corporate polyamy is something that's going to happen yeah. a lot, and of course, not everybody will succeed at it because yeah. it can be very much. You have to pull off any kind yeah. of polyamy, especially those who are used to monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. but at, at the same time, I do feel that's a trend, and let's see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. I'm very uh, keeping a keen eye, and yours. <laughs> Sneha, you tell me. So I think we've seen a lot of layoffs, um, and we're probably going to see more. But what we haven't seen yet is businesses shutting down, <laughs> sure. and I think that is that is going to start happening soon. We're going to mm. see a graveyard of startups. that were and, and on that very hopeful <laughs> note <laughs> no and like you know it's it's so sad like it, yeah it's really sad because i i we i think we're at the place where a lot of founders of well funded startups of startups with a lot of customers that are bringing in lot of revenue that have built lovely products that customers love they go, we're going to see them shut down and uh, we're going to yeah we're going to see products shutting down um and i and i what the i don't know yet what what the market mm. um what the how the job market is going to change as a function of that we don't know that yet because it hasn't started happening yet um but the early signs are here like you know founders are saying that they're struggling uh multiple founders you know sitting with their families having very tough conversations at these at this at this time uh what the future means hmm. yeah i think the dust is settling snigta i think this is when the you know the hurrah and what we've seen through 30 episodes of cost to company right like we've seen the high, highest of highs you know founders tweeting salaries and we've seen the lowest of lows you know people getting laid off in such circumstances and and you know hiring freeze and what not uh but i'm hopeful i'm optimistic because um I think you're young. Yeah. <laughs> so are you? Yeah, yeah. Sneha, come on. Uh but but no, let's see let's see how it goes and uh, it's been it's been great with Costa Company. So yeah. Lovely. All right. Fun. Just one last question which is not related to oh. uh the content of your episodes but it is about something very important that makes your episode and the importance of sources for making a good story, right? Um you know, how has it been for you guys? if you can talk about your you know i think as what ctc does as and what we, us the hosts and producers of ctc and writers what we do is our core job is bringing together interesting ideas from interesting people which is not easy it's not it's not um <laughs> because even when people have interesting ideas how do you find them and a lot of and you know it's um you know people who are a big deal on twitter at the lowest hanging fruit and often don't have anything very val- valuable to say um they're not the ones who are deep thinking they're not the ones who are uh, really uh, pushing innovative ideas you know in workplaces or in careers so how do you find them how do you get them to reach out to you it's tough um one of the things we have done well is uh, a lot of ken subscribers help us mm. a lot of ken subscribers step up they tell us their stories they tell us what they're struggling with um and then when you see you know multiple people writing into us telling us the yeah. same thing then that's how you know okay this is big you know mm. so- somewhere in there and then you talk to and then we talk to those people um um but we always have have to keep our eyes and ears open for interesting ideas from interesting people doing interesting things um anyone you know who who has some foresight on uh, how careers are going to pl- play out how the economy is going to play out how workplaces are changing so can you have anything to say to such people who are listening to this episode yeah i think there's a cornerstone it's it's a it's a product please or, write to us please email yeah, us please we, we come and be part of the podcast exactly we're so, looking yeah. always always for um, people with lovely interesting ideas what are you struggling with on a weekly basis uh what what is happening at work that is really holding you back and frustrating you um and you know somewhere even if you can tell us about the problem somewhere in there is typically you know a story something interesting something new that's happening uh something that other people will benefit from hearing about um yeah sorry Yeah, no. I mean, it's. I mean, it's ultimately. 
your cost to company right like it's mm. all ultimately it's it's mm. your show it's the it's that's why we had multiple voices because i think that's that representation is matters and uh, i think that's that's what the future is right like you getting a sense of uh that you're not in this alone whatever you're going through you find that community and you find listeners and you find a platform to speak so may may you know people continue to sort of send in whatever they're feeling and uh, and people have been so kind absolutely so generous with their time um, i hope that continues yeah and 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 sometimes you know the people who write in they really feel so strongly and emotionally for what they're writing about and that re- that is what makes an episode mm. yeah. you know when the person writing in really believes in what they're trying to say and they have an emotional connect with what they're trying to say that's yeah. what makes a good story that makes yeah. A, yeah always those make our best episodes i think yes and you heard that listeners so on that note we'll wrap up today and stay Ooh. tuned for the next episode and congratulations guys you crossed you, over you, 30 you. episodes before we end shout out to rajiv who's who's our, sitting quietly and saying has said nothing who's yeah. our sound engineer who makes us sound and lovely he and he has very good taste our, in shirts yeah. <laughs> i yes. love it and have us score our lovely little music that you hear every episode yeah so yeah keep listening and uh, we're there on twitter linkedin can in touch so is the ken uh you can um, write to me on instagram i'm active on instagram <laughs> you handle uh sneha vakaria on instagram yeah i'm at shreeves everywhere so like all platforms even youtube actually lovely all right that's a wrap woo woo done